welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Thank you and welcome to Teacher Talk. And so this is a new experiment that I'm trying this summer where I'm going to try and have like guest YouTube teachers that are doing amazing things on the internet and then just have them on and we answer your questions and talk about stuff that is important to you. And the whole idea here is to bring value to you immediately, like in real time. So tonight we have Mr. Thane from Mr. Thane. And man, I'm so pumped to be doing this. It's so exciting. Um, thanks for coming on, man. Can you uh, take a second, even though more people know who you are than they know who I am, uh, could you introduce yourself a little bit and tell us uh, like who you are and, and what you're doing? Yeah, okay. Um, first of all, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you good. Perfect. Okay, so hi, I'm Mr. Thane, um, also known as Kyle Thane. Um, I teach kindergarten. Um, I got my um, start teaching five years ago, so this is my fifth year on kindergarten. I actually started out um, teaching on the south side of Chicago, um, so it was, and it was incredible. I absolutely loved it, um, but I recently just moved back to Ohio, where I'm from. Uh, my wife and I moved back to Ohio to be closer to family. And I, just living back here, it's, it's a slower paced life and I had more free time. So I thought I had something missing and, and I wanted to um, share some of the knowledge that I've learned over the years teaching with other teachers. And I thought what better way than to start a YouTube channel. Um, so what started out as just a couple teaching tips here and there, um, it turned into a weekly vlog where, someone's trying to call me, a weekly vlog <laughs> where I, um, I just kind of like shared a little bit about each day about school and about at home. And at one day I was just like, Hey, I'm filming every way I'm filming every single day anyways. So why not try daily vlogging? And six months later, daily vlogging, teaching tip videos, that kind of thing. Um, it's been a wild ride, but that's kind of, that's kind of me. My daily vlog is mostly about just my life, um, as a teacher, as a husband, uh, and my sort of my message, my common message is just about how to live life every day to the fullest. Uh, no matter what life throws at you and how to have a work-life balance. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Thanks. Uh, Kate is asking, what part of Ohio are you from? All right. I'm from Northwest Ohio. Um, usually I start um, at Toledo, Ohio and move down. So I'm about an hour south of Toledo, Ohio, two hours north of Columbus. I live in the quaint village of Gilboa, Ohio, population 200. Uh, wow. Yeah. So... One day, my goal is to, I got my hat on old blue right here, Gilboa, this uh, one of a kind. I will be the mayor of this town one day. That's one of my uh, life goals. So <laughs> it's fun. That is awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> um, so for people that don't know who I am, to give you just a little bit of context, I my name is CJ Reynolds. I teach in West Philadelphia. I teach ninth grade literature. And I've been teaching, this will be, I'm just about to finish my 11th year of teaching. And I started YouTube because my son wanted to have a YouTube channel. And then when he lost interest, I thought I really liked it. And I had learned like all these skills on how to like edit and shoot video and that were good enough. And I always wished stuff was on YouTube and I tried to find things on the internet when I started teaching and it just didn't exist. And so I thought I would try and make videos about things that I wish existed when I started teaching. And so that's kind of where I got my start. So. Let me get us started with, with this, uh, Kyle. Should, should we, is it Kyle or Mr. Thane do you prefer? Or do you just hear Mr. Thane all day? Um, you know what? Uh, either way is fine. I'm good with either okay. way. <laughs> okay. So, so in, f 
I'm thinking of a lot of new teachers and people are finishing up college right now and starting to get started in, in the teaching career. And I know that like in the beginning, it is completely overwhelming. And there's a, there's a real sense of like working yourself almost to death. Yeah. Um, what's your experience with that? Like when you started out and like, how do you, and if you did struggle with that, like how do you deal with it now to like have a better, I guess, work-life balance? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think I read the stat some sometime that um, somewhere around year five is when a lot of teachers kind of leave. Um, very few teachers, a lot of teachers don't last very long. And one of the reasons is that burnout and um, just not being able to do it anymore. This is a job, a, a career that it takes a lot of us. Um, it's, it's a selfless career and it's... Um, it's a job where you truly are putting others first all the time and you've got to be on your A game a lot. So um, my first year of teaching with my experience with that was it was nonstop. Like I would stay, I would get there at like my first year it was, I would start at eight 45 and I would get there at like six 30 in the morning and I wouldn't leave until about five every day, then come home and do work. And that was like that the whole first year. And after that I said, something's got to give, something has to change. And Although if you're going to be a first year teacher, there really is no getting around the fact that of your first year is going to be a lot of time simply because everything is brand new. You, you, you don't have the stuff to go back to. So my suggestion is if you're going into your first year, get, get in your mind and have the mindset, you know what, this year that's what I'm doing. I'm going to be a teacher and everything else is going to have to go to the side on the back burner. But as you progress on to year two, for the work-life balance, I find it really helpful to um, plan my stuff out in a way that I low prep, high engagement lessons. So, for example, I don't do, you know, this might come from me in my specific background, but I don't do a lot of lessons where I have to do a ton of prep um, to, get a, to get a good result. I try to find ways to engage my students but deliver the content swiftly and effectively and I would rather spend my time teaching than prepping. So that's one quick tip that I use to kind of balance that work time. And then for the life, uh, my life balance, um, my wife and I, Kristen, um, on our daily vlog, we talk a lot about um, every single day of the week having something to look forward to, um, whether it's movie Monday or eating with friends on Tuesday or getting a pizza on Wednesday, whatever the case may be on, on the weeknights, have something to look forward to after you get all your work done, after everything's settled in. So even if you have a rough day at school, you're like, Oh yeah, but it's movie Monday, you know? So having something yeah. to always a little bright spot every single day. Um, and then, you know, plan ahead, plan for your weekends. Don't, don't um, sit at home all weekend planning. Like, get some time to get out and be social. So that's sort of what I've. That's the conclusions that I've came to over the past four years on that. Yeah, which is really hard too. I think in the beginning because you're so nervous that everything's going to go wrong, and you don't have that skill set that you get after a few years of like everything could pretty much go to crap in class, and I could still like figure something out. I have enough tricks in my pocket to like make it work. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think, I think another part of that too, which I, you've started talking about on your channel recently is this idea of taking care of yourself better and um, kind of like treating your body almost like a, like a car. So like uh, I try and make sure that I'm exercising every day and I'm, and I'm uh, like, I do a lot of like envisioning, like what I want my day to look like. And 
Um, so I get up at every, every morning at 5 a.m. and I go to the gym and I run and then I go to school. And what that that shift in in my head is like, I'm I'm ready for the day instead of like getting up and like lumbering to the shower. I it just, that gives me energy. And I know people at work have like you know everyone's gonna have a different version of this because I have friends that like work out after school or they get up and pray in the morning or you know but. I think getting up that little bit earlier and like setting yourself up and like, just like you would for a game because yeah. you're on, I mean, I'm sure you have the same thing, but like when you walk in the building, little kids, especially aren't waiting for you to wake up. It's like eight o'clock in the morning and they're on 10 already. And you're like, all right, let's, let's do it. So I just, I love it. I can't, I, it's uh it's such an important part to like keep yourself going. Um, so I'm looking at questions on YouTube and someone said, what, what attributes make a good teacher? What would you say to that? Like, what would you need to have in you to be a good teacher? Well, I mean, I would say you really do have to like, you have to love kids, like whatever age you, you really do have to um, enjoy working with children. Um, and I would consider, you know, even to 18 high school, they're children, like, you have to want to be a part of their lives and you have to have a certain level of patience with them, which isn't always easy. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. You know, by the end of the week, you know, it, it, your patience wears a little thin, but I would say patience, uh, a love for kids. And, um, you know, you have to have, you have to have a certain work ethic and realize that you are, like you said, you are on right away. So it's it's almost like being an athlete, like you were saying. You've got to be willing to put in the work. And it's not just about showing up to the game or to class teaching. It's about doing everything else, lesson planning, eating right, sleeping right. You've got to be committed to the craft and the art of teaching, which I kind of liken it to an art or like a conductor orchestrating a you know a symphony, right? Like you've got to make all these moving parts. You've got so much to juggle and balance. Um, I would say you've got to be a good multitasker and you would have to be passionate about what you do. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I am awful at multitasking, by the <laughs> way. I tell my students, I'm like, I'm good at like one thing at a time. And so, it, but I definitely see where that would totally come in handy. Um, I think also along with patience, like having patience for yourself also, everyone jumps into teaching and they... I just feel like a lot of young teachers expect to be good immediately and they don't realize that it's a craft. Like no one sits behind the drum set or, or the piano or a car and just is amazing right away. Like you might have more natural talent than someone else, but it does take a long time, I think, or longer than people would like to get good at, at what you're doing and really having patience with yourself is a huge part of it and remembering that teaching is an actual craft. It's not something you just like can do right away. Uh, and I think a level of humbleness, I'm not even sure if humbleness is a word, but now it is I've introduced. So, uh, being humble and learning how to like, you know, eat it sometimes and learning how to apologize to kids. Like when you're wrong, just saying, you know what? I know I'm the adult. I know I'm infinitely older than you are. But I really apologize. That was the wrong move. And that was the wrong thing for me to do. And yeah, and I think that goes a long way with with even like building relationships with kids. Uh, I don't know what that name is. 
but there's a question mark. It looks like a Super Mario Brother block. And then the question is college question. How long is too long to decide your major? A year, two years? I'm set, but my friend is still undecided after a year. Is that a question where you're really the friend? <laughs> Asking for a friend. Yeah. So uh, how long is too long to decide your major? I have a, I'll let you take this one. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know what your trajectory was or how quick you got through college or whatever, but sure. I was on the Van Wilder set. <laughs> okay. So actually, um, I started out my college career as a marketing major. Um, I wanted to be. I wanted to make the money. I wanted to be a big shot in New York City. Um, I wanted to do that, and so I actually started my first whole year as a business major, and I didn't change into my sophomore year. And um, so, I mean, I would say, like, honestly. I have a friend who like went a couple extra years because he switched majors like halfway through, but you got to do what you got to do. Right. So like if, 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 if this is um, you saying that you're not sure what you want to do yet, like my answer to that question is find like, what do you like doing and do that? Right. Like, um, we're living in a day and age now where that can be anything, right? Like there's, there's tons of people that are like being, becoming big and making lots of money, like playing video games. Like, Whatever you like to do, do that and use college as a tool to help you search for yourself, find things that you like to do and really sort of maybe try out new things. And for example, I was talking to somebody the other day who really likes video games and he's like, I don't know how to make that into a career. And I said, well, look, if you want to be a professional video gamer, take communications courses, take business courses because you're going to have to be your own business. You're going to have to market yourself. Like use college as a resource. Um, sometimes that means majoring in education because you kind of have to, to be a teacher, or that means majoring, uh, getting pre-med if you want to be a doctor. But sometimes it's not always that cut and dry and you can get away with a more general, uh, degree like business or communications. But I mean, I would say like, it doesn't have to be your one for sure. You don't have to know right away. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, one of the things I, I think that you said that was really important is like sometimes and it like going to college is a non-negotiable. Like, uh, so, uh, you know, the school I work at is a college is a, we prep guys for college, but I don't think that college is for everyone either. Um, and I know that wasn't the question that was asked, but I just think that that's really important. Um, but I know for myself, like to be a teacher, there's no other option. You have to go to college to be a teacher. So, um, I had a crazy sort of crazy trajectory. I wanted to be, a carpenter. Then I wanted to be a drummer, which I did for a very long time and played in like studios and, uh, and with bands. And then, uh, I went from that to being, I wanted to be a clown and then I wanted to be a priest. And then my wife trashed that dream cause I couldn't be married and be a priest. So, you know, for me, it was, after standing back and looking at that and being in my mid twenties, I realized that all that stuff together would make a really great teacher. And it had a lot of different aspects from each one that, that I thought would make a good teacher. So I went back to school and I'd been in college before, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. But then after that sort of self-assessment, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And that just made college a lot easier, but I didn't start teaching until I was 27 years old and I'm 40 now. So, um, that was, uh, that's how I handled it. So I, I don't think there's, I, I think, you know, your twenties are a lot about figuring out who you are and what you're about and what excites you. And I think 
take your time. Like there's no, you, you always think everyone else is moving so fast and so far ahead, but they're, they're really not like, you know, you could still be 40 and trying to figure out what you want to do. And if that's when you figure out what you want to do, then that's when you go and, and crush it. Um, someone said, Nate G asked on YouTube, I began student teaching on January 18th. What should I be doing over the summer to prepare? And what should I read besides textbooks? That's a really great question. Uh, what, what do you think? Okay, so plug-in time here. YouTube. Uh, seriously, there's a lot of us YouTubers on, on uh, uh, teachers on YouTube. Kate Sleep Teacher, Mr. Thane, Real Rap with the Reynolds, Classroom Diva, Genuine Teaching. I mean, it goes on and on. Watch our videos because we're sharing, like, a lot of us started it to help people like you who are getting ready to join the coalition of teachers and um, watch our videos, watch our tips. But as for a couple books to read, um, definitely pick up and read uh, The Essential 55 by uh, uh, Ron, Clark. Ron Clark. Yes. Um, also, okay, um, blanking on the name. I, I shouldn't be. Um, oh, Teach Like a Champion um, by Doug Lamont. I believe that's his name. That should be that is my Bible. My teaching Bible is it's called Teach Like a Champion. Um, you can get it on ebook. That basically is the premise of every, the entire way I teach, all my skills and strategies. But those are the two books to read. Watch YouTube, lots of YouTube. Um, I mean, really, that's 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 mostly what I think you can do. You can't really prepare a lot for um, what you're going to face because uh, you just never know. I mean, it, you could. This, it depends on your class. It depends on the students that you have. It depends on your cooperating teacher. Um, but I would say read up and um, try to, I would say, get mentally prepared by um, learning how to be reflective um, on yourself. Like today was a good day because or today was a bad day because and be able to name the good things and the things that you need to work on. That's a skill you can work on every day, regardless of what you're doing to prepare you to teach. Yeah, that's a really good answer. It's so funny. I would I wouldn't have thought of YouTube right off the top of my head and like <laughs> that's what we're doing, right? So like ridiculous, but that was a great answer. I think uh, if I was thinking of books, I, the two books that I'm thinking of are, uh, there's a book called Teach Like Your Hair Is On Fire by Rafe Esquith, who's a teacher in South Central Los Angeles and is amazing. Like I, th there's also a PBS special, you could probably find it for free on YouTube about him. And I, if I can find that, I will link it in the description below, along with these books that myself and Kyle are throwing out there. And a completely unrelated book is anything by Father Gregory Boyle. Uh, he runs the largest gang. What is it? Like, I'm talking to my wife next to me. There's not, it's not an invisible friend. Um, he, he teach, he sort of, so what he does is he works with gang members that have been in prison kids that are have not been in prison but are like wrapped up in the gang life and his world is just amazing because he really builds relationships with these guys and girls and so that's how he is able to do like really incredible stuff by building relationships and for me that's one of the biggest things i'd say your student teaching get in there as early as you can stay as late as you can and just talk to kids and building those relationships like handles, I think, 99% of the problems that you can have in class when you have strong relationships with students. Um, so I'm going to keep moving along. If, if anyone asks a question and they, uh, so I see tons of questions coming up. I want to try and get to all of them. But uh, Genuine Teaching, who you just mentioned, asked, if you, if you weren't a teacher, what do you think you would be? 
And also, do you see yourself staying in the classroom as a teacher for your entire career? I think I've heard you talk about this a little bit, so I'm interested to hear what your answer is for this. Yeah, so um, if I wasn't a teacher, what would I be doing? So this, this question um, comes up a lot in my own mind. Um, but right now, I think I would want to just like, I am in love with doing YouTube. Like, I love vlogging and I love, that's like my creative outlet. And like I was with, Kristen and I, my wife always talk about like, if nobody ever watches our vlogs, it's still fun to do because we're cataloging and documenting our life. Um, so I would figure out some way to like, if I wasn't a teacher, work with video and editing, maybe like go into that, like some film, like I'm loving that. And then um, as far as the teaching, I don't think I'm going to be in the classroom my whole um, career. I, I think I, I'm the type of person that likes um, new, new and exciting challenges. Not saying that teaching kindergarten is not exciting and uh, challenging because it is. Um, but I would see myself eventually uh, moving up and becoming um, maybe an instructional coach or um, what I really want to do and maybe doing YouTube will help propel that career is I would really like to be a teaching coach um, where I would go and coach one-on-one -on -one new teachers, sit down with them, watch their lessons, video their lessons, break them down, help them lesson plan. Um, too many young teachers are going unmentored or they're, giving a, they're given a mentor that's just already a teacher in their building. And they're like, hey, you want to mentor this new person? And they're like, I guess. And then like they meet once every once in a while. You know, I want to be somebody that can go in and really help them with problems and, and be like, be a resource for them. I think if that was a thing, um, I know some districts have things like that, but I would really like to fine tune that. And um, I could see myself moving in that direction. Yeah, that's, I, I would be similar on, on that front. I think if I wasn't teaching, I really, really like mentoring. I love talking to kids and hearing their stories. And I maybe like a counseling route, but the thing I don't like about that is it's so official. And I just think there's a lot of limitations there. And so when I, I eat lunch every day with 20 to 30 students in my class, and all I do is talk to them. I listen to their stories. I listen to what's going on in their lives. And I just, it is completely addicting because, you know, if, I know when I was 15, I didn't have, I never had a teacher. I never had a teacher in high school that I thought was like great or that I felt like listened to me or, or was interested in anything that I was interested in. And so I really like being that for students and teachers as well. I love making sure that new teachers like have a voice or they're, they have help or they're, you know, if everyone's going out for, for something to eat after work or if there's a party, like making sure people are included because that's such a big thing. I think when you first start teaching, you just start, you like stay in your room all the time and you create your own little world and you don't touch base with enough other people. And those relationships are crucial to have with other teachers. Yeah. Uh, if I, so I think that's what I would end up doing if I wasn't in the classroom. Do I see myself staying in the classroom for the rest of my life? Yes. Uh, I, I really like it. I just think that for me, especially in this last few years, like it's opened up so many other possibilities. So I took uh, 11 students to Costa Rica last month. Um, next year, we're going to Greece. And we're talking about like the guys that I'm taking, were, most of them were never on an airplane before. Yeah. So I like went into the cockpit, which was super awesome because I've never been in the cockpit before. And I asked the pilot if he had those little wings. And it turns out they really have those things. I didn't know. <laughs> okay. So like, I like handed them out to all the kids on the plane and this year we started a school store. We had like very little money, but we wanted to raise money for the trip. So we 
created the school store uh, and built all of the, the countertops and the shelving and everything. And I got to teach the kids how to be like, you know, store owners and how to teach your, like treat your customers and how to set up your product and stuff. So I just think that teaching is something that um, at least where I am, I, I know other people might feel more limited than this. It just gives you a lot of options for a lot of different things to do, which is really, really fun. Um, there was a question just a moment ago. Let me find this gentleman. So three, Josh, Josh, he writes his name. And so he said, what are you, where did you go, Josh? The questions are just popping up so rapidly. Uh, what are your thoughts on the current education system in the context of preparing people for the real world? So I guess like, are we preparing people for the real world? Like what? What do you think about? I'm I'm just gonna throw everything at you first, Dan. That's all right. Uh, okay. Um. Wow, that's a deep question and a rather large question. So if we unpack that a little bit, I guess. Um. The problem is our society is changing faster than the education system is changing, and there's a lot holding our education system back. A lot of red tape. A lot of changes. We get changes every four to eight years in the administration and at the state level and the district level. There's so many changes, but Society is changing faster with technology and what's acceptable and um, what you need now to be successful in life is different than what you needed 20 years ago. Um, so, for example, I teach kindergarten, and one of my biggest pushes is computer literacy. Like, I wish I wish I could get some video of my class, um, but my kids are whizzes on the computer. They they know how to bookmark websites. They know how to troubleshoot. They know how to you know they. It's, it's amazing to see what little ones can do when they're given the opportunity to, to use technology. But um, preparing everybody overall, I guess, I don't know. Like The way I see school is, and I can mostly just speak to kindergarten, is I'm giving my kids the foundations, reading and writing and the basics and trying to instill um, a love for learning that will carry them through their life. And if I've done that, then I think that I've done my job, um, you know, I had a pretty good K-12 education, I'm not going to lie. I went to a rural school. I graduated with 60 people. It was very um, close-knit. I only, like, in a class had, like, 15. It was, we were well-funded. Um, so I didn't have any real adversity as far as my education goes. Um, but I, I really think the, the only thing that can really, truly prepare you for real life for real life is actual real life experience. Like the one thing that I think schools are lacking now, at least in my area, in, in my area of Ohio, is life prep classes like they took away a lot of our um, home ec and our shop classes and those things are falling off to the side where like when I got when I moved to Chicago right out of college I'm like I'm calling my mom like okay um I can't remember do I am I supposed to wash everything on cold or warm you know like stupid stuff right like I mean life experience is what really is going to prepare you school is there to give you the foundations the basics and maybe along the way you can meet somebody that can um, mentor you or send you on a certain path or help you on a certain path, but you got to do a lot of work on your own. Like you got to find stuff out on your own and you got to experience things on your own. Yeah, I agree. And so I would say, you know, the, the content of my class, like if you don't remember what like illusion is or a simile, like you'll survive. But one of the things that I try and teach through all the books and some teaching ninth grade literature is um, 
are like all the things I think are really impactful. So for instance, like I, I do think there's value in that and, I, and I'm, you know, so I'm not discounting that. However, I think teaching kids like emotional intelligence. So I have, I teach at all boys school and I have a ton of guys that will, would tell you that they have like anger management issues. And so trying to help people figure that out and figure that out like through literature and through writing in class and, and talking. And so I think, so something like that, something like uh, learning how to communicate with others, like listening, actually listening to people. And then when they are finished talking, like you responding then and learning how to have a really good conversation where both people are winning because you're actually listening and caring for one another and building community. I mean, we have my co-teacher and I, I have two co-taught classes at school. So there's myself and there's a special ed teacher in there. And a huge part of our class is like learning how to build community with students and helping them to work with one another, how to work in groups, how to um, achieve things together and counting on other people. And I think that's a skill that's huge uh, in, in the real world. So I can't say, you know, the current education system is preparing people for real life, but I think teachers are, I think even despite whatever the system is saying or your core curriculum that that your school gives you like i think teachers really are trying to do their best to like create a place where kids are learning about the real world and, and really being they're ready to step out into the real world mm -hmm. uh so let me see what do jaylen asked do Teachers change their lesson plans. If so, how frequently? That is a great question. Um, I change my lesson plans right all the time. I might be driving to school and the right song comes on or I'm listening to a podcast and I think, hey, that was a great idea. That's actually, I'm, gonna, I'm scrapping what I was doing today and this is what we're going to do instead because if you're excited about it, then you know your lesson is going to be 100 times better than if you're just trying to like get through something. So I change lesson plans constantly. Um, and not always on purpose. Sometimes it's a total accident on the way to school. What about, what do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, exactly the same. I would say I very rarely stick to my lesson plans, uh, to, to be honest. So especially the way that I plan, I do a lot of small group instruction with my kiddos, like, um, just because I get such a wide range of abilities and at the beginning of the year, I'll, I'll give half my class who knows their alphabet and half the class that doesn't just based on exposure. Some went to pre-K, some didn't. So I have to teach a lot of small group and I plan for Monday and whatever my kids do takes me where I go next. So if I'm, if I'm teaching um, a lesson on um, sentence structure and my, one of my groups, uh, my small groups nails it, just crushes it. We're going to move on to something else. I can't predict if they're going to crush it or not. So it's, it's sort of like I don't take a day on Sunday and sit down and plan out my whole week. I kind of plan for the beginning of the week and then just kind of see where we go from there. Um, and sort of I'm planning every day. And like you said, in the car, I'll be listening to a song, just driving along, and something will pop into my head. I honestly get most of my best teaching ideas like in the morning, like five minutes before the bell rings. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to do that today. Like – so I feel like to be an effective teacher, you've got to be able to change and be, um, be flexible, like spur of the moment, like, okay, this lesson is not working. Let's ditch it, do something else. Or, um, a lot of times something current is going on, right? So like 
figuring out current events or student interests and maybe something just happened. I don't, I don't know. I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but using that in your lesson the next day, you got to be flexible. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think, um, what was I going to say about that? Uh, I think when you are starting out, that might be more difficult. Like the more you do it, the better you get at it. But being able to, um, to kind of learn from your mistakes and like if something's going really wrong or even more importantly, if kids aren't getting it, like putting the brakes on your lesson plan and not feeling like you have to keep going forward, like stopping where you are or feeling like you can rewind because if you're not teaching them correctly, the kids aren't learning and you know, we're not trying to like just get through stuff. We're trying to take our time so that kids are actually learning. And if that means I get through only half in a week of what I wanted to get through, then that's fine with me because I want the kids to learn and it's not so much like that I achieve my goal or something like that. Exactly. Uh, there was a, I'm going to, I missed who it was from, so I apologize, but someone asked, what advice do you have? I think this is a really great question too. For newly married couples, when someone's about to go into their first year of teaching, <laughs> that's, that's the face right there. That's perfect. So, <laughs> Um, I was a newly married couple going into my first year of teaching. So here we go. <clears throat> so step one, your spouse or whoever's not the teacher, um, it obviously has to be supportive. And I think it's all about a conversation. And anybody, who, anybody who's married will tell you that the key to marriage is communication, like good communication. So sitting down and having a conversation with your wife or husband about, okay, I'm going into my first year of teaching. Here's what you can expect or here's what I think will happen. And planning out, like having them know, like this is going to be most of my free time, most of my life. But sitting down and working on your schedule, sit down on a Sunday afternoon and talk about the week coming up and pick out one time a week at least for, it doesn't even have to be a date night, but it can be a date minute, not minute, day, hour. I don't know. Do something, schedule in little pockets of time together. Maybe it's at 10 o'clock right before bed. You guys watch up, watch a fire up an episode on Netflix, like right before bed or whatever you have to do. I know Kristen and I, we moved our, uh, we moved our TV to our bedroom our first year because it was easier to just real quick watch an episode together right before bed, you know, and it's all just about compromise and communication. Like if you can, and let them know, look, honey, if you can get through this first year with me, we can get through anything. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, honestly, being married that first year is hard enough. I mean, they. I think so. For my wife and I, and I know different people's situations are different, but like it, maybe this applies to you. Uh, I did not live with my wife before we were married. We moved in with one another a month before we got married, uh, just because her lease ran out, and so she moved into my apartment, and. That was the first time we'd ever lived together. And we'd been together for years before then, but I before you live with someone, like you think you know people until you actually live with them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we had a really great first year of marriage, but teaching in the beginning just took up so much time that I would come home every night. I would revamp my lesson plans. I'd plan all weekend. And I just was so nervous and I wanted to be great so much that that's all I cared about. And I did have to, you, you're right. You have to absolutely plan in time to like spend with your spouse. And that's like your 
phone's not there, you're not thinking about, you're trying not to think about school, even if you're secretly thinking about school, but um, you, it's really, that, that stuff's really important. But I think the, the part of the marriage that's not a teacher, like who, whether that's the guy or the girl, really having a lot of grace and realizing that this person is going to grow a lot this year. They're going to go through a lot of ups and downs. I mean, there's, I don't, I don't know if there's, I mean, I imagine there's other jobs, but to come home and like in a job where you feel like you're crushing it all day, you can have something happen in the last five or 10 minutes. That is like a total sucker punch to the face. And then you come home like, and you need to nurse that bruise and it's not, you can't just come home happy every day. It can be really, really taxing on you. And so I would just say having grace for that other person as much as possible because it can be a really, really hard job at times. Um, but I did it anyway. So that is great. Um, someone else said, I'm trying to look for other questions. Um Sorry for the dull moment, folks, but I'm trying to just make sure that we, I don't, I don't want to miss people. And that's, that's what I want to see. Uh, so let's see. Could you look for those? Love? No. Kate, um, Kate said we're getting a lot of love on YouTube. So, it's, oh, I'm looking at YouTube as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, so someone said, Jalen had another good question. Thanks, Jalen, for asking all these great questions. I appreciate it, man. Um, and your question went away because I took my fingers off of the mouse for a second. I will find it momentarily. Um, he said, from a parent's perspective, how would you go about choosing your kid or kid's school? Uh, because I'm 19 years old. Hold on. It keeps scrolling up against my will. Uh, it didn't have to. So how would you how would you choose what school your kids would go to? And Jalen's saying that he's 19 and he didn't have good teacher relationships when he was in school. How would that affect you? Um, so in the future, how 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 do you think that would affect you? Or do you think about that already? Like in terms of that kind of stuff? Well, um, I'm actually lucky enough that. Um, the town of Gilboa. Um, I live in a really good school district. It's actually where I went to school, and it's a it's a pretty solid school district, good community. So when I, when Kristen and I do have kids, we already know where they're going. It's um, so we're very lucky in that regard. However, I teach in the city of Lima, and Lima, Ohio, has public schools and private schools, and I I definitely would like that's got to be a difficult decision, like. I know a lot of parents. Um, a lot of parents want their children to go to a private school versus a public school um, for for various reasons. Maybe they had a poor experience with public school or whatever the case may be. But um, as a public school teacher, I'm I'm a public school advocate, and um, I, I just think um, I would if I was in a situation where I had to choose, or I lived in an area where it wasn't a good public school in my area. I would do whatever it took to get them into a good school that's close by. Um, maybe if I had to drive them myself. I know in Chicago you kind of had to go to your neighborhood school, so everybody walked. If you wanted to go to a different school, you had to you know drive, open, and roll. So that kind of that kind of that kind of got messy. 
Um, but yeah, I can only I can empathize with that, like not knowing, especially if you don't live in a good district. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with that, so um, like I said, yeah, I mean, I guess do your research uh, in your area and um, find a, what you assume to be the best fit for you, and know that. Um, even if you don't have a perfect public school education um, background, or if you don't have a perfect school, you your child will probably be okay. Um, I know, you know, there's some poor districts in our neighbor in our area, like failing schools, and there's kids from those schools all the time that go to great colleges, and um, a lot of it comes down to, um, you know, if they can find a good mentor or role model somewhere, whether it's you or if it's another teacher or um, I mean, yeah, I guess look around and, and try to find something that fits. Yeah. You, you know, the first thing I think of when I think of this question is my, my kids, no matter what struggles they face, they have two parents that absolutely love them and would do anything for them. And I think that that is the greatest thing that your your child could have is an advocate for them that's going to stand up for them no matter what and no matter where they're going to school and so you could be in a really poor district or a really affluent district but if your parents really kind of push for you then you're going to get the best possible experience that you can and I think that that is more important than anything I mean I didn't I went to I lived in a in a nice neighborhood in, in South Jersey and in, in New Jersey growing up. But then I went to a high school that was like the worst high school in South Jersey at the time. It was where like when kids got kicked out of bad high schools, they got sent to this high school and cause it was a vocational school. And so they thought, I guess the idea there was, well, if you're not going to go to college, you're not going to graduate from a regular school. You would go to a vocational school and learn a trade. And I, and then me, I went in thinking, oh, the kids got wood shop for four periods a day. That sounds awesome. Let's do it. And I got there and I thought, oh, this is a little rougher than I thought it was going to be. And, but I think because my parents really cared and they wanted the best for me, they, they made sure that I got the most out of that experience. And that's, that's key. Um, yeah. What was that? There was another, um, where is Oh, snap. Which one? Oh, okay. So Karina H said, hello, what kind of professional development do you do in the summertime? What, what do you do? Like, and so actually genuine teaching had a similar question that was like, um, I think she said, what do you do? What do you do at the end of the current school year to get ready for the next school year? And so I, those kind of partner together really well. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? What do you do think? So um, my professional development wise, my district, we have, uh, we go in August for a couple of days. We have professional development days, um, we have school starts and we can kind of pick and choose what sessions we want to join, whatever we want to work on. So that's kind of it. I don't really do anything besides that. Um, and then what do I do with like right now? I've got, I think seven days left of school. So what am I doing right now to prepare for next year? Um, I'm doing a lot of recon because I have, um, there's a preschool in house. Um, in my building and I'll get some of those kids and so I am uh, doing some hardcore recon meeting those kids getting a face to a name um, trying to start up a relationship now so that way when they get there in the fall they'll have a friendly face to see trying to reach out to some parents but as far as like year to year uh, this year is one of my roughest years I've had and it, it taught me one if it taught me one thing it was one year your successes and failures 
does not necessarily transfer to the next. So different group of kids, different personalities, they'll mix differently. Um, I've had to teach completely differently this year than I have in the past. So honestly, I am just kind of going to reset and go into the next school year with no expectations and just kind of roll with it because I, I can't make predictions. But I mean, yeah, doing the recon and reaching out to some parents and trying to make connections, that's probably what I'm going to be focusing on. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. I think um, the, my problem in the summer is I don't do nothing very well. Like I don't, I'm not really good at like chilling or like just sitting around. I, I get very, very antsy. I still get up early in the morning. I still like to have a full day. And when I don't, that, that bothers me. And so um, it's for me, it's about finding outlets for all of that energy that I generally expel during the school year while I'm in the summer. And so sometimes I'll, I want to do things like prep my home. Like that's actually important to me to like fix all those weird little things that I didn't get done during the school year because then I feel better going into the next year. It's kind of like, you know, when you're a kid and your mom would like set your clothes out for you before you went to bed or you did that. And so, cause then you felt ready for the next day. And this summer I'm going to spend a lot of time actually at my school doing like working on my classroom. I'm starting to teach several new classes next year. So I'll be teaching in a co-taught environment for the entire year. And we'll be teaching the kids that we had from ninth grade this year, I'll be teaching them in 10th grade next year. So there's not as much of a lag in their, in their learning in the beginning of the year. And so we can start in September and just hit the ground running. And so I have a lot of really great fun classroom decoration that I want to do and like getting rid of desks. And instead we're going to start using tables and organization stuff for that. Like that all makes me feel going into the year because then I'm excited about being in my own room I'm excited about all these changes and having kids come back and see it and the other thing I think that I, I think you could tie into this is I've done this unofficially before but I'm making it a little bit more official this year is taking small trips with students over the summer so maybe there's a lot of places in in Philly like so in Philly my students are so if my kids are from West Philadelphia they don't go to other parts of Philadelphia often to see what's yeah. there, to see what's going on. They just stay on the block or in their neighborhood. So to take kids to different parts of the city to see things that they don't normally see, it does a couple of things. It makes kids excited about learning and it also helps me to build relationships with kids outside of the classroom. And that's infinitely uh, more important than, than I think, than anything else I can read or do over the summer, because it's going to set me up for success for next year. And it's going to make kids pumped to be in my class and pumped to like come in and learn. And especially if I can, my, my plan is to try and pull some kids that like, I didn't have that time to build those relationships this year, or they were really quiet, or I didn't realize they were struggling or they were going through something and really build those things up so that like, even the quiet kids are you know, more engaged and more invested in our class. So that's, that's a few of the things I'm thinking of nice. this summer. Um, yeah. So let's do, we're at, it's almost nine o'clock. We're at 49 minutes, which is, is good. Want to take uh, two or three more questions and, and then we'll see where we're at from there. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So, um, let me, let me look through here. If you have any last questions, you can type them in now. I'm going to try and look through, and make sure that we're not missing anything. I have, oh, there goes a question right there. 
Kate's saying it's so short. That's because Kate goes on you now for three hours. Is it's amazing. It's like uh, it's like a Grateful Dead show. Uh, someone asked. Wait, oh, there it goes. It keeps scrolling up um, against my will. Um, where did it go? It's something to do with self-discipline. Ways to practice self-discipline. Growing to become independent from parents. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, yeah that's going to depend on what kind of parents you have too, I think. But what, what so maybe... Um, what do you think about that in terms of like, how did you do that? Yeah. So I, I moved, I moved five hours away. I, I moved to Chicago from Gilboa and, um, I just got, I just moved and I had to, because that's where I got my first job. Um, and I moved for the job and I had to become, I like the way that I learn best is to just go for it, to just dive right in. And that's what I did with teaching. And that's what I did with um, becoming independent of my parents. And, um, I, I, like I said earlier, like just, there's no, there is no, um, comparison to exposure or experience and exposure, exposing yourself to the world and trying new things and just jumping out there and doing it. I remember when I had to make, um, my first doctor's appointment in Chicago, like I didn't have a family doctor. I'm like, what do I do? How do you like, you just can't walk into a doctor's office and say, I'm here. One appointment, please. Like you, you, fix me. Like you have to set stuff up. And it was, it was difficult, but it was very, um, I got a lot of self-confidence in knowing that I did a lot of things on my own. So, so really if you have to move away, then you do, but you can also do that while close. Again, it's just about communication, like letting them know like, all right, mom and dad, I need to grow as a person. I need to do stuff on my own. So I appreciate all the help that you've given me over the years. I wouldn't be who I am without you but I need to learn some stuff on my own. And that might mean you seeing me fail a few times, but I have to fail if I want to succeed. And I think this is a conversation that you have with them. Uh, that's a good answer. My dog is currently giving me this really gross ball <laughs> putting it on my leg because he thinks I'm going to throw it because he's not, he's obviously not watching. I'm on live right now. Um, so he, he's relentless. He's like, this is what he does all the time. Uh, you know, so not to make this like a, like take a sadder turn, which is totally fine, but uh, I lost my dad when I was four and my mom died when I was, she was very, very sick with cancer when I was in my early twenties and I lost her shortly after that. And so, and so when I'm thinking of this, um, I'm thinking that I kind of felt like I had to learn from a very early age and I wasn't on a trajectory to be that guy, to be someone who was from a very early age, like taking care of himself because uh, my, I feel like I would have ended up being the dude that like lived at home till he was 30, called his mom's basement, his apartment, you know what I mean? And so um, I instead just kind of like had to go out in the world. Like I had to find my own place and figure out how to do stuff. And even after I had kids, like I didn't have babysitters, like my mom and dad couldn't just watch my kids. Like I had to watch my kids. And um, there's, you know, I, I felt like, but I, I think because of going through that experience, I also felt like I was let in on a secret that not everyone else was let in on, which is, you know, this doesn't last forever. So I wasn't so scared to go out and do things. I, w I became extremely eager to get out into the world and to try everything 
to travel everywhere, to try every kind of food, to read all the books, to have all the experiences. And that was a total, um, it, it was like being like thrown in the pool as, as a child, instead of like starting out on the shallow end and like easing your way in. And so, I mean, it sounds like you kind of did the same thing, but like of your own volition, like just kind of jumping in there. So, you know, I think, you know, for me, when I think of my own children, I think they could do anything they want. Like, what am I going to do? Like not love them anymore? Like, oh, you want to move to Iceland or you want to become a rodeo clown? Like, you know what? I'll buy season tickets to the rodeo then because I love you and that's what I'm going to do. And, and I think that that's just really important to remember, like, your parents could get mad at you, but are they going to stop loving you? Are they going to stop, like you know, calling you on your birthday or supporting you. Like, I just think that the chances of that happening are very limited. And if they do, like, what are you going to do? What's your alternative? Like not live. So yeah. I think that's your only, your only answer is to go do what you want to do and let your parents know, like, this makes me excited. This is what I want to do. And I want you to support me um, and have that conversation with them. I think, you, I think you'd be surprised uh, to talk to parents and to find out like, what would they have done? Right. Um, so last three questions. I have my buddy from school, Alonzo, who we call Hugs. Almost, I'd say about 85% of my students do not get called by the regular name. They all have ridiculous nicknames and kid's name is Hugs. And I told him that that was his nickname because he looked like he enjoyed Hugs. So he asked, what would you do if you were a student struggling in all of your class classes? Hashtag not me. Um, so... I, I'm wondering how much you deal with this being a kindergarten teacher, like um, kids that just aren't doing well, like how do you help them kind of rebound before they leave your class? So kindergarten is interesting because it's, you know, kids either come in with a, with a large background of knowledge based on their experiences or they, they come in as a clean slate. And I always tell parents, my guarantee to you is if you bring your kid to school every day on time with with what they need their, with what they need their materials their supplies every day and they have a willingness to learn and, and do the right thing I will have them on grade level by the end of the year now this is barring any um, learning disabilities or anything um, of that nature that we haven't discovered yet but um, even so then they'll get the resources that they need and they'll they'll get what they need to succeed in kindergarten and moving forward so in my class, if a, if a child is just straight up not performing, it's mostly due to um, behavior or, or lack of um, wanting to um, of learn on that particular day. And so it's typically a conversation that I have with them. The five and six-year-old mind is a very complex thing that I will never understand, um, but truly, um, but getting at their level and really trying to connect with them and find out what they're interested in and almost in a way tricking them into learning. Like I have a, I have a student who is like hardcore into John Cena. And um, so anytime he does something good, I just go ahead and throw on this. Let me see if it works. He loves it. I just go ahead and pop this on for him real quick. My my son is paying attention now. That, like, that caught his attention. Loves it. And so, you know, it's, 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 for me, it's like, you know, putting on a show in some way, like making learning exciting and fun. But if a kid is struggling, I find out what they want and I try to get it to them. So that's kind of my answer there. <laughs> yeah. 
So if I'm thinking in terms of a student who's struggling, I think your way out of everything is sincere conversations or your way through everything, not like to try and get out of it. Go to a teacher, tell them, like, even if it's the end of the year, look, man, I messed up. I didn't do the right thing. I'm willing to live with the repercussions. But what would you say is the best course of action for me at this point? And I think that goes a long way. A lot of kids just like don't know what to do or they ask for the make the mark or they're not sure how to have the conversation. So maybe find a teacher that you really, really connect with and someone that you maybe um, can look up to or that you feel safe with and ask them, say, here's my situation. How would you go about dealing with it? And then see what kind of picture they paint with that information. I think that's really, really valuable because a lot of times when you're young, you don't know how to have a conversation. Like if you're in you know, fourth grade me couldn't, didn't know how to have a conversation at all. Ninth grade with me was just super awkward and (laughs) terrified of my high school. So I think, you know, confiding in someone and seeing what they would do and then just following that course of action can really, really help. Um, Edwin T. Edwin, I'm going to ruin your last name. This is why I have nicknames for everyone. I apologize. Minegula. I'm going to go with that. Um, So Edwin asks, as an upcoming first year elementary teacher, what would you do over the summer to get ready for the school year? I have some ideas, but I'd love to hear more. And so we kind of touched on this earlier when we talked about student teaching, but for for like actual teaching, uh, I would say my, my answer is pretty short. I would say, Edwin, you don't know what you're maybe completely what you're going into. So just stay loose, be ready to go into the classroom and I would set up my classroom so that it's like as much of a well-organized machine as it can be so that you're not going in at the beginning of the year and still having to organize or or put things in their place you don't you're not going to have time for that like so try and get everything as ready be ready to kind of roll with it as you do and then like Mr. Thane said earlier uh watch YouTube videos like you know to, to not plug us, but to plug us, like, you know, I think both of us are trying to make YouTube videos that we wish had existed when we were starting out. And so there's tons of resources. And I'm going to put links in the description below for like other teachers that I think would be valuable to, to check out. So if you want to check this out tomorrow, uh, you'll, you'll find those links from like anyone from one fab teacher who teaches down in Texas to Classroom Diva to uh, genuine teaching, like these are all really invaluable resources. And there's not that I can find on the internet, but the 20 or so that I know exist kind of hit all these different bases. And I would say, I'm going to, I'm going to answer for Kyle also, but, uh, I would say reach out, like leave a question in the comment section or send someone an email. I love answering questions. I love when people hit me up and like want my advice. I just think that that's, really fun um and so yeah don't be afraid to reach out to people so what would you say to that kyle yeah i'm just going to echo that reach out to um fellow teachers whether whether or not it's on youtube or elsewhere um and like you said be loose be open and something that you touched on that i want to sort of elaborate on on from my own experience is yeah get your personal life in check like you said you fix up your house over the summer like get everything else in your life on point like your 
your wardrobe, your closet, get it cleaned out, get your teacher clothes ready, um, get your bills in check, like get everything, all your systems, your organization strategies, get everything in your personal life in check. That way, when everything hits you with teaching, you don't feel like you're overwhelmed and swimming. There's no worse feeling than feeling like you're, you're, you're drowning and every time you get a new thing that you have to do, it just stacks on and stacks on versus if you have everything else in your life in check, Oh, I can take care of that thing now because I have, I've got everything else. So get a real solid routine for yourself. Um, I know CJ was just saying he still wakes up early in the summer and I'm going to try and do that this summer too. I'm, I'm going to try to stick to my five thirty wake up time, um, just to keep my body in a routine and, um, get up, you know, embrace the day and, and have a plan for every day, get into a good routine. That way when school hits, it's the same routine, same old, same old, eat breakfast at the same time, do what you got to do, exercise, and sort of get yourself prepared in that way because you don't, you, you can control that. You know, you can control that part of your life. You can't control the teaching part of your life to some degree. So I would say get your personal life in check. Yeah, that, that's, that was a really great answer. Uh, so I have someone said, Sophia said, I know you're talking, but it would mean the world to me if I could have a shout out. Sophia, her last name is S-P-I-C-A. What would you say that is? Spica? Spica? <laughs> worst with that. I don't know, how do I teach for this long? I can't pronounce people's names. Sophia, I'm really glad that you came on here and watched this tonight. So thank you so much for, for tuning in. Um, and I'm going to echo that to my man, Kyle, uh, who's a student of mine. We call him Don't Smile Kyle because he tries to never smile. And that... <laughs> always becomes the game every day is try and get Kyle to laugh. So what's up, Kyle? Um, and so let's do, let's do one more, two more questions. That's a really great question. Miss Kindergarten, who's been on here, I think all night. Uh, she said, her question is similarities and differences between teaching kindergarten and high school. That's a great question. And, and that was something that I got even from my students who were like, Wait, the guy you're going live with teaches kindergarten, but you teach like ninth grade in West Philadelphia. Like how do those two things align? And I think they align. There's tons of, of connection points. Uh, so if, if I, I'm going to just jump in here first real quick. And I think, you know, teaching is less about the content and it's always only about the student. Yep. It's about building relationships. And for me, I can build a relationship just as easily with a, with a child as I can with a teenager um, and adults are a little bit more tricky because I feel like I can't be as silly all the time around them, but it's about, to me, listening to kids, learning what they like, and then teaching from that place. Like from, if my guys are real into J Cole, I teach from that last year, it was Pokemon all of a sudden came back with Pokemon go. So I had lessons that were based on Pokemon go. If I taught little kids, yeah, I don't even like John Cena, but you know what? I'd know everything about John Cena if I had that same student that you did, Kyle. And, and I would just like drop knowledge on that guy all the time so that that kid looked at me as being someone that he could connect with. And I think overall, it's about those connections with students. And that's the biggest connector point for me. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. I, I think it is only about the kids connecting with them. And I think, like you said, you can connect with a child no matter what age they are. If, and the thing, is about, the thing about it is truly being genuine. And you mentioned this earlier, knowing when to say you're sorry. Like when you tell a kid, hey, man, I'm sorry. It like it, they, they get taken back like, oh, wait a minute. What's going on right now? Like 
so just being genuine with them and um like you said like teaching isn't really about the content like if i were to teach high school the big difference is i would have to become an expert at something like math or or english and um but it's but it's still a lot of the same strategies and, and same things and same philosophies about teaching no matter what grade you're in so many grades are are quite similar in that regard so yeah yeah i, I think um i'm i'm something you said triggered this i mean i just thought also being able to make things relevant to kids like whether you're in kindergarten or in 12th grade you know why are we learning what we're learning how is this important or making something so that kids can understand it i think that's a real gift that can be learned to some extent and i think is very natural for other people and so that's that's a really important key also uh there was another question that you saw uh jackie asked what are your thoughts on high expectations for kinders maybe or meaning should we push them to read even if they are i'm gonna it says should we push them to read even if they are ready i guess that could be if they aren't ready also so yeah what, I, I mean what so what's your uh which what are your thoughts on that yeah so um this is my fifth year in kindergarten and Every single year, I get kids at the beginning of the year where I go, oh, man, how am I going to get them to read by the end of the year? And every year, they end up reading. And the thing about it is kids will learn when they're ready. Like, that's just the thing. I have I had a kid this year that uh, Christmas break knew, like, two letters. Now he's reading. And he did that from, like, March till now. Like, it just clicked. That light bulb just went off. And because he was ready to learn it, right? Like, you know, if a kid's not ready, they're just simply not ready. Like I, I personally, I've never, um, our district allows us to retain kindergarten students to do another year of kindergarten. I've never, I've never done that. I've never felt the need to, um, on a personal level and a kid by kid basis. But a lot of times a kid who wasn't quite on grade level by the end of kindergarten, they were finding first grade because when they got to first grade, they just soaked it up. Like it, learning is so developmental, like some, like, you just learn when you're ready at some, sometimes, you know, like it just kind of happens. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, like I have high expectations behaviorally and also like show up, do the right thing, try your best. And if your best isn't on grade level, that's all right. Yeah. I think that's a really good answer. That's uh, and I, I mean, I, as a parent, I could only echo that, but I don't have like, I'm not a kindergarten teacher, but I just know, that's what I do with our children, with everything. My wife and I, you know, if you're ready, like if everyone else on the block is riding a bike and you aren't into it yet, or you're still struggling with it, like, I'm not going to push you to ride a bike. I'm not going to like make you wake up early. This isn't Rocky. Like I want you to do the things that you want to do. Cause I think, um, that's what builds a love of learning. If you're pushed into it and you're made to do it and you're really struggling and it's like giving you anxiety, like maybe, think of a different approach or slow down. But yeah, I think it's exactly. that more natural approach is, is way more effective. Uh, Jalen asked, he said, our society is so messed up. Do you think about, do you think teachers are unpaid, underpaid compared to the entertainment industry? Yes, Jalen, I do. I am <laughs> underpaid. And you know, the funny part is, is that I really love my school. Like I can't say enough, like the administration, my coworkers, the kids that are there, I just, I really, really love it. And so I know that my administration would pay me as much as I really thought I was worth if they had it. But 
to be honest, like there's funding cuts every year. Like we've had a funding cut. I don't think I, I don't think I've had a raise in about five years. And so, but that is what it is. And the, the tricky part of it is, is that if you're an actor and you're getting underpaid, you're not going to take that role. But if you're a teacher, you're still going to show up because you care about the kids. And so it's kind of like they got you in a spot where, um, you know, what are you going to do? What am I going to do? Leave? No. When I first started teaching in Camden, New Jersey, I made $32,000 a year. The summer before I worked full-time at Home Depot and I brought home more working at Home Depot than I did as a teacher. So yes, um, I think we are, but you know, I love the kids. So I got to figure out a, a way around that and to, to deal with it. What, what are your thoughts on that? I, and that's, I know that's my intro to like every question and I feel like I'm on the news or something like, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I agree. I would echo that. I think, um, you said it like we, when I went into education knowing full well that I would never be able to have a lake house, right? Like I picked a certain lifestyle and my wife, Kristen, she's a, she is a social worker. So we both work in jobs that are offering a service and we knew that our type of lifestyle wasn't going to afford us certain things. And we were okay with that because we have the satisfaction of, I love my job. I don't get like, I don't go, oh gosh, it's Monday, weekend's over. I get excited about going into work and I, and I enjoy it. And we both have a love for what we do. So I sort of value that in time over money because um, time is the most valuable resource. We don't get more of that, right? So um, with my job, I love every day, most days, right? But I'm able to have fulfillment every single day and um, maybe I don't get as much money, but in the long run, I think I'll have a happier life. Um, but to being com comparatively, like, yeah, like, would it be nice if we were held up to the same standard as like, I don't know, a doctor or lawyer? Because like we are like, I spend more time with my, with my students than I do my family, right? Like I'm helping raise children. I, I'm helping raise the future of our nation. So um, would it be nice if society recognized us on, on, a, on a higher level of prestige? Yeah, it would be. But right now we're not. And I'm hoping uh, people like uh, us, CJ and us and other teachers on YouTube, I hope we can paint teaching and education in a more professional light. And hopefully we all get some exposure and we can sort of propel education forward. And who knows, maybe one day we will be getting paid um, more overall. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you, I make... I am not nervous to like tell my students that, Hey, I need to make more money. So if you get rich doing something, like if you do become a famous musician or a doctor, like don't forget Mr. Reynolds, like you know, <laughs> I could use a hookup. I could use some new pants or something <laughs> like that's how sad it is. But, um, cool. We're at an hour and 12. When, uh, you good calling it there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was yeah. Fairly successful. I'm glad the internet held up. That was great, man. I really appreciate you being on. And I want to say for the people that are like, are just maybe tuning in or you haven't been here the whole time. My name is CJ Reynolds. I have a YouTube channel called Real Rap with the Reynolds. And my guest is Kyle Thane. You can find him at Kyle at Mr. Thane on YouTube. And, you know, go like and subscribe his channel. He has great stuff. He does puts out, he puts out literally the most content I think of any teacher on youtube like every day putting out stuff um and then next week we'll be back you can find us on you now or on youtube our guest is going to be joe uh joe dombrowski who was on ellen degeneres recently he was the guy with that 
crazy viral video about the spelling test for his first graders. And so he'll be joining us and we'll be taking your questions. And that'll be May 30th at 8 p.m. I don't know why I'm talking like an announcer all of a sudden. <laughs> Watch too many TV shows. But cool. Thanks for watching, guys. Thanks, Kyle. All right. Thanks, man. Take it easy. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it, and I hope you have a great week. Peace.